You're listening to Matt Walsh On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. So I just read about how Omar Mateen's dad showed up at a Hillary rally. Uh, that's Omar Mateen, the, the Muslim who killed 49 gays at a gay club in Orlando. His dad showed up at a Hillary rally, I guess, earlier today or yesterday. And he actually sat behind her. This is how we know that he was there. Because he sat behind her. And anyone who's watched political rallies knows the significance of that. The people that are sitting behind are the ones that get on camera. They're, they're sort of in the, in the honored uh, uh, position. And so he sat behind her, and he was right there the, t- the entire time Hillary was speaking. And he had a homemade pro-Hillary sign, and he spoke to the media afterwards. Now, I, I, I really have to assume that the Hillary camp did not know he was there, because, because there is... I can't conceive of any political reason why they would say, hey, let's get the father of a guy who killed 49 gays here and put him on camera. And we know that uh, nothing is beyond the scope of Hillary's wickedness, uh, if that sentence made any sense. There's, there's no level to which she will not sink. Okay, so I'm not saying that, oh, she wouldn't do something like that. It's just everything she does, though, is politically calculated, and she wouldn't do anything if it didn't make sense from a political perspective. And I don't think there's any, just what's the political calculus there for, for Hillary? I, I can't imagine what it, what, it, what it is, especially considering his son killed 49 gay people. And we know that that's a, a, an audience that Hillary wants to cater to. So now if this was the, the father of a Muslim who killed Christians, then I could almost see the Hillary camp actually deciding to put him on camera at a rally. I could almost see that. But considering he killed, he executed um, uh, gay people, I just, I just don't see it. But look, imagine if Dylan Roof's parents came to a Trump rally with a pro-Trump sign and ended up sitting right behind Trump. And whether or not Trump knew about it, if they were you know, on camera in the shot... Dylan Roof's look even if they didn't show up at the rally even if Dylan Roof's parents came out publicly and held a press conference or something announcing that they're endorsing Donald Trump for president if that were to to happen it would be the only thing the media talked about for weeks right be the only thing in fact let's take this guy himself Omar Mateen's dad considering Omar Mateen was obviously anti-gay we know his dad is anti-gay. Can you imagine if the father of a, of, a, of a guy who killed 49 gay people showed up at a Trump rally? How the media would work that into the anti-Trump narrative. But with Hillary, of course, it's something that you'll, you'll hardly hear about at all. Anyway, okay, so I just saw that. That's why I'm mentioning it. But switching gears to an entirely different topic, which was the, uh, my, my intention to talk about with this podcast. Many, many people have asked me, to weigh in on the candidacy of Evan McMullen. 
He's the conservative who just announced his independent bid for the White House. I don't, I don't know a lot about him, to be honest. All I know right now is, um, well, I know a few things. I know that he follows me on Twitter, apparently. So I like him for that reason. He's got good taste in, in uh, he's got good Twitter taste. I know that. So that's good. Obviously, it means that he's equipped to be president. I know he's a former CIA operative. He worked for the Republican Party after that for a while. I saw him in an interview today on CNN where he said he was also a private. He, he has private sector experience as well. I don't know what he did in the private sector, but that's all good. That's all. That's all good stuff. I know he's from Utah. He's Mormon. He's conservative on the economy, immigration, national security. He's pro-life, which is a must for me before I would vote for anybody. And I know most importantly, this is what I know about Evan McMullen. I know that Evan McMullen is not Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. That's what I know. I know that Donald Trump, well, he does have a, a history of creating characters like John Miller that he, that he plays, but I've actually seen Evan McMullen on TV, and I know that either he's a real person or Donald Trump found a very convincing average bald white dude mask at Party City, and, but I, I, I sort of doubt that. So that's, that's what I know. As far as where I stand on his candidacy, and that's what people have been asking me, or any third-party conservative candidacy, I'll tell you. But I warn you ahead of time that my analysis of this, my opinions about it, they don't fit very neatly into the I'm against it or I'm for it paradigm. So I'm probably a lot like you in that respect. But a lot of, things ha- a lot of times things happen, especially in politics, and you have, you have different feelings about it and you have different opinions. And they're not very neat, Right. And so that's where I am. I have many different thoughts. And I will tell you those thoughts. And as I've always done this year and years prior, I'll tell you my thoughts as just a normal human being, not some operative for the Republican Party, because that's not what I am. And in fact, that, that's where I want to start. This is sort of off to the side a little bit, but, but one thing I've noticed this year, and it's like this every election year, only perhaps more so for this one. I've noticed that a lot of people expect you once the election, the general election starts to only share opinions that are useful to the nominee of, quote, your party. So I run into this all the time. I'll say something, share some opinion, make some point, and I'll be immediately accosted by hundreds of Republicans shouting, why are you saying that? Are you trying to help Hillary win? Are you trying to divide the party? How does what you're saying help the party? Are you helping the party? Is the party helped by this? Think of the party. Think of the party. What about the party? We're uniting the party. Why are you saying this? The party didn't give you permission. Did you ask the party about this? Are you, you're saying this, but the party doesn't want you to say it. What about the party? Think of the party, Matt. That's what I hear all the time. With like any opinion I have. And it's this attempt to enforce a kind of political censorship that I just hate so much. I hate it. I hate it. I hate this mentality among average free citizens of these United States that they would actually expect our political conversations to be tailored so that we're only saying things that are helpful or useful to candidates from, quote, our party. I hate that. It's un-American. It may be pro-Republican, but it is un-American. People say they support free speech, but the truth is they only want to hear politically useful speech. That's what they mean when they say free speech. They mean politically useful speech. 
That's what... Mo- and I, I mean, this is... I haven't done a poll or anything, but I think that's where most people stand, or at least a vast preponderance of people. A great plurality of people, that's where they stand. They say they want free speech, but what they really want is politically useful speech, and they're not interested in any other kind of speech. And they will very valiantly defend, quote, free speech when politically useful speech to them is silenced. That's when they'll be very valiant about it. If someone says something politically useful and that person is silenced, that's when these free speech warriors will come out and say, oh, free speech, I believe in free speech. But when someone says something that is not politically useful, they don't care what happens to that person. Or if they're shut down, if they're silenced, they don't care because they don't actually believe in free speech. And I've been saying this all along for so long. You know, we talk about freedom. We talk about liberty, especially things like free speech. It actually it's sort of a radical concept that a lot of people don't agree with when it comes down to not just in this country, but throughout the world, throughout human history. The idea of free speech has always been radical, and there haven't been a lot of countries and a lot of people who really have believed in it. So my point is, if you don't actually believe in free speech, if you don't actually believe that people should speak freely, voice their opinions, voice their their views, that we should have an open conversation where people are unafraid to, you know, to engage and be honest, if you don't actually believe that, then just say so. Just admit it, because, you've, you know, the, the, you, there's... There's a lot of precedence for your for your point of view. I don't think it's the right point of view, but there's a lot of precedent for it. Um, you're you're probably you're not in the minority. You're probably in the majority, not just in this country, but in the world and throughout history. So just come out and say it. But what I really get tired of is all these people say, "I have free speech. I'm a free speech warrior." When they're just not, they're just not. They don't want to hear anything but what is useful to them, and yet they claim to be free speech warriors. I really can't stand it. So, for instance, if Trump does or, does or says something stupid, and uh, then I say, as a free citizen of these United States, I say, gee, that was stupid. I'll be attacked not by people who disagree with me, but by people who think that it's sort of heresy for me to speak my mind if the contents of my mind are damaging to their candidate. And yeah, they're not... they're not calling on the government to censor me, although I really do believe that whether Hillary or or Trump is elected president, their most ardent fans on both sides will totally support efforts to actually ban uh, criticism of, of the government. But what I run into now, it's not that people say, oh, you shouldn't be allowed to say that. But so they're not opposed to free speech in a legal sense. But as far as the spirit of free speech, and we have to separate these two things, you know, you have the legal free speech, which is the government shouldn't stop you from saying these things. But then we also have the spirit of free speech. So sort of, do you, do you, you know, you could believe in legal free speech, sort of, but not really believe in the spirit of free speech, which means that, yeah, you don't think the government right now should come in and shut down dissent, although you may be persuadable in that direction. I think a lot of people are. But you don't believe in the f- spirit of free speech in that you don't think that people should actually get out. Although they have the freedom to do it, you don't actually think that people should get out there and speak their minds. And when people do, you're very hostile to it. And I hate that mentality. I've always hated it. Nobody was really listening to me back in 2012 or 2008. But I was saying the same thing back then. And, and here's what I know. The people who try to enforce this censorship, they'll claim that it's just for the general election, right? They'll say, look, just for the general, keep your thoughts to yourself so that we can win the White House. 
And uh, but then once we're in the White House, you know, we got our guy in there. We've stopped this this other evil person from getting in there. Once we've done that, then, yeah, you could be critical and you know, we'll, we'll all have to keep an eye on things and be critical of of our guy once he's in or our gal once he's in the once he's in the White House. Right? That's what they say. But what happens when their guy or gal actually gets in the, the White House? What happens then? Will they suddenly say, "Okay, let's watch him like a hawk. Let's be critical. Let's act like free men, thinking men and not just blindly follow our government overlords just because they're in our party. Will they say that? No, of course not. Of course not. They never do, because then they'll demand even more obedience, even more unquestioning submission. Think about how the left treated Obama and actually think about how the right treated Bush when he was actually in office. Sure, they're criticizing Bush is cool now among Republicans, but back then when he was in office, a lot of the biggest Bush critics today reacted viciously, viciously to anyone, even any person on their side who uttered the slightest criticism of Bush. And I remember this because I was critical of Bush at the time. And I remember how Republicans reacted to it. A lot of the same Republicans who now are all about criticizing Bush and saying we need to you know, get away from the Bush legacy and so on and so forth. At the time when he was in office, if you had criticized Bush, they would have wanted you burned at the stake as a heretic. That's how they acted at the time. Because when it comes down to it, although we achieved independence, supposedly in this country, a lot of the people in this country are programmed to kneel before the king, their king. And they will kneel before him or her, and they don't want to hear any criticism until they have a new king, in which case, at that point, you can criticize the old king. That's how people are programmed. And again, I tell you, I hate it. It's not American. We should be critical of every person running for office from every party, of every politician, in every party, whether they're running or whether they're in office, it doesn't matter. We should have our eyes open and be ready to call out any of them at any point. That's how we should be. That is the correct way to be as Americans. So let me tell you that, that that's how I operate. And that's how I'm always going to operate. And if, you, if, if, if what you want, if you want you know, not someone who thinks and gives his thoughts, but someone who calculates the political expediency of his thoughts and shares only what's useful to the party overlords, if that's what you want, then go elsewhere because you won't find it here. You'll never find it here. I will never change that ever because I believe in this very strongly. What I do is I say what's on my mind. That's all. If I believe it, if it's true, then I will say it. The end, okay? That's, I don't care. It's, it's, if it's true, if I believe it, if I think it needs to be said, it's not my problem what this truth does You know, once it's out there or what other people do with it. Our job is just to speak the truth. That's what we should be doing. And you can say, well, that truth is inconvenient. Not my problem. I don't care if it's inconvenient. The truth is always inconvenient to somebody and most people, actually. It's not my problem. You speak it, you put it out there and let people do what they will with it. That's all. The end. Period. Very simple. So all that said, here's what I think about, uh, about an independent run. Number one, my biggest argument against it is that it will provide Trump and his supporters an excuse when he loses in a landslide, which I think he probably will. Uh, He has, up until this moment, been losing in nearly every poll against Clinton since last July. His unfavorable numbers are historically high. He's losing in states that have been reliably red, like Georgia. He's turned Georgia into a swing state, etc. So we, we we know all that, right? But 
now that they have a conservative candidate in the race, all of a sudden, um, they have their, their scapegoat and they'll use it. And my problem with that, because I don't care what Trump says, he was always going to find someone to blame when he loses. And after the election, after he loses, he'll very quickly slip back into irrelevance and nobody will care what he says anymore. But his boosters in the media, his cult that have followed him from day one, those people need to learn a lesson. They need to learn from their mistakes for the good of the republic, not just the Republican Party, but for the country. They need to learn from their mistakes. But if we give them or if they are given an escape hatch, they'll take it and nothing will be learned. So that's the first point. Second point, of course, the response to that is that Trump's boosters in the media and his cult followers will find an escape hatch regardless third party or no third party they'll blame everyone but themselves for the loss and uh, they're already doing that in fact so it almost doesn't matter whether the person is in there or not they were never going to accept blame it was never going to happen there was never going to be a point when sean hannity actually gets in front of a camera and says you know what guys i screwed up uh i'm sorry i was wrong about this the entire time i did a terrible terrible awful thing i'm a total idiot and a fool and a traitor to the cause and i'm going to resign now in disgrace and move out to the woods and live in obscurity for the rest of my days i would love for that to happen it was never actually going to happen so that's the second point third point those issues aside uh it's clear that evan mcmullen can't win the vote outright it's, it's not possible. So if you're looking for, to vote for someone who can win outright, actually win all the votes, well, Evan McMullen isn't, isn't that guy. Um, he probably can't even get on the ballot in all the states. I think in some 20 states, it's the, the time, uh, the deadline has already passed. And even if he does get all the, on all the ballots, he doesn't have the money, he doesn't have the name recognition, the fame, the time to make the case to the American people the way that Hillary and Trump have done, albeit poorly. Fourth point, that said, uh, he may not need to win the vote outright. It's a long shot, a very long shot. But remember that someone needs to get to 270 electoral votes in order to be president. That's what needs to happen. 270 electoral votes. This is the way our system is set up. And if nobody does, then the election by law, according to the Constitution, goes to the House of Representatives and they vote and they decide that's that's the way now if this were to ever actually happen i'm not sure if it ever actually i think maybe it's happened once in american history if it's happened at all um and if it were to actually happen you would have so many people crying that the election's being stolen this is un-american it's undemocratic no it's actually very democratic it's it's built into the system into the constitution it's all by law and there's a reason why the law is this way Remember, we are not a direct democracy. It's not just whoever gets the most votes of all, you know, uh, among the people, whoever gets the most popular votes is the president. Just like our laws are not decided that way. We don't put every law up to vote and uh, whatever law gets the most votes among all the people becomes, you know, codified and goes into the books. That's not the way it works. I don't think it that's not the way our system is set up. It's never been set up that way. We have never been a direct democracy. Um and I think it's good that we're not. I don't think we should be a direct democracy. There's this buffer that exists, and I think the buffer should be there. I think that's the way it ought to be. We're not a, a mob rule kind of country, and I don't want to be mob rule. And the more we become mob rule, and we're, we're headed and trending in that direction, the worse we end up. 
So, in theory, if McMullen could, given the way that the system is set up, if McMullen could pull a state or two from Hillary and a state or two from Trump, he doesn't need to win a bunch. If he could just win, you know, three or four states and pull a little bit from each, then he could prevent either of them from winning outright. And, and then it goes to the House of Representatives. Does he have a chance of doing that? Well, uh, he's a Mormon. He's from Utah. Utah voters are very dissatisfied with the choices this year. I could see him taking that state. I could see him doing that relatively easily, in fact, especially if Mitt Romney endorses him. I could see him taking Idaho, which is also heavily Mormon. Also, those voters are dissatisfied. Where else could he win? I don't know. Maybe nowhere. I, I, I really, I don't know. You'd have to ask somebody else. Somebody else. Even if he succeeds and the election goes to the House, would they then vote for this guy who only won a dozen or so electoral votes in the House of Representatives? Probably not. And depending on what happens in the election with the down ballot races, if the House is now is, is Democrat, uh, they would go with Hillary anyway, right? Because when it goes to the House of Representatives, it's the new House of Representatives, the ones that, you know, the, the House of Representatives that was just elected into office, they're the ones who vote. So that's, so that's also going to determine quite a bit. But fifth point, None of that, and this is really my central point, none of that is really the point, I guess. I, I think McMullen is running because he's a free American citizen and he's unhappy with the way the election is going. So he's jumping in himself, as is his right. And it's a right we ought to encourage people to exercise. People who vote for him will be voting for him, however few that number may be, because they think he's the best option. And that's all. Just like he's running because he doesn't like the options and so he's putting himself into the race. I think that's a self-sacrificial move. I think that's a good move. I think more American citizens should do it. And if people vote for him, it's because they believe in him. And that's all. That's all. It's not up to you. It's not up to you or to me or to anyone to tell a McMullen voter, oh, you're actually voting for Hillary. You can't do that. You can't vote for him. It's a vote for Hillary. It's a vote for Hillary. You can't do that. It's not up to you to say that. It's not. A vote for McMullen is a vote for McMullen. A vote for Trump is a vote for Trump. A vote for Hillary is a vote for Hillary. That's all. The point of your vote, and we all get one, okay, just one, unless you're a Democrat, then maybe you can have two or three, but the rest of us have one. And so the point of our vote, the reason we have it, is to voice our opinion, our belief about who should be president. We're not voting for who we don't think should be president. It doesn't work that way. It's not a negative vote. Okay, if it worked that way, look, with the way that the, the elections go now, we might as well make, make it a system where whoever gets the most votes loses. So we, we each have one negative vote, and we can give our negative to whoever we hate the most, and whoever is hated the most loses, and then the other person wins. We might as well do it that way. With the way that people operate with elections now, where in fact people are hostile to the idea that we should vote our conscience and vote for who we believe in. People are hostile to that. They say, how dare you? How dare you vote for who you believe in? That's not how this is supposed to work. You identify who you hate the most, and then you vote for the person who you think is most likely to beat the person you hate the most, even if you hate that person as well. That's what people say you're supposed to do. And if there's someone else that you really believe in, don't vote for them. If you do that, you're a, you're, you're a horrible American. That's the attitude people have now. So I say, why not change the entire system? Stop giving us votes. And we all have a negative vote. 
and we, we have sort of an anti-vote and we can give our anti-votes to whoever we don't like the most. Why not do it that way? But until we set up the system that way, then I'm going to continue with my radical theory that we're each given a vote to give to the person who we believe in. So if you believe in Donald Trump, then give your vote to him. Do it if you believe in him. Give him your vote if you believe in him. If you don't, if you believe in someone else, then give that person your vote. That's all I'm saying. I believe that's the way the system is supposed to work. That's the way America is supposed to work. I don't think we're supposed to all huddle in a corner, in a, in a, you know, huddle in, in, a, in a group before we go into the ballot box and whisper to each other, oh, who are you voting for? You're voting for him. Okay, I'll vote for that person too. Let's all coordinate who's voting for who. Let's, who, let's all make sure we're voting for the same person. No, we don't do that. You, you, you go in and you cast your ballot to whoever you believe in and you let everyone else do the same and then the chips fall where they do, okay? So that's how I feel about Evan McMullen or any other third-party candidate. Can they win? No. Uh, can they prevent the other two from winning? Probably not. But should you vote for him if you believe in him? Yes, you should, okay? That's all. If you believe in him, vote for him and feel proud of the vote. Feel proud of the vote because you voted for who you believe in. You can't control what everyone else does. And we happen to live in a culture that is, that is sick. We live in a decaying, sick culture. So there are a lot of people who believe in things that are, that are wrong and who look at someone like Hillary Clinton and say, I believe in her. And so they're going to cast. The problem isn't that they're voting for who they believe in. That's what they should be doing. The problem is that they believe in Hillary Clinton to begin with, but that goes back to a cultural thing, and our culture has been trending in that direction. There's not a lot that you can do about it individually, especially on voting day. You can't stop all these people from voting for Hillary Clinton. All you can do is just go to the ballot box and vote for the person you personally believe in. And if that's Trump, okay. If it's Evan McMullen, okay. If it's the you know Constitution Party candidate, okay. If it's the if it's a Libertarian Party candidate, okay. If it's Batman, okay. If it's Gumby, okay. If it's nobody, okay. That's what I'm saying. That's that's what I think voting is supposed to be. I think that's how our founders set it up, and I think they were right. I'm on their side on this one. So that's my take on that. All right, everybody. I'll talk to you next time. Acruce Salus. Godspeed.